Great. Thank you, Sarah. Good morning, everyone, or afternoon, or evening, uh, whenever you're watching it. And I'm really pleased that you've tuned in, tuned in, tuned in uh, to share this kind of service with us. We really do appreciate it. So um, it is epiphany season, as Sarah mentioned, and that is everybody's favourite season. A big shout out to Charmaine Host, who loves a bit of epiphany, and uh, Grace Shaw as well. So um, it, this is the season we're in, and it's a little bit like when you're watching a film and it's a detective film, and um, you don't quite know, well, it doesn't, this doesn't quite work, but you don't quite know who kind of murdered the person or kind of committed the crime. And there's a moment when it all comes together, and you're like, ah, oh, that's that person. It kind of, everything kind of makes sense. So Epiphany is a bit like that, apart from the murder bit, where you suddenly kind of have glimpses of Jesus, where suddenly, ah, oh, it makes sense, that's who he is. It's these kind of eureka, these epiphany moments. So over the next month or so, we're going to be looking at a number of key passages where we experience those epiphany moments where we see Jesus in all his glory and we see him for kind of who he really is as it were those moments when uh, the curtain of the veil is torn back and we suddenly recognize that's who he is and we have those moments so the first passage we looked at was last week when we all got together on zoom was the uh, magi who were just over there um, still on their way visiting Jesus Um, but the passage today that Sarah read to us was about the baptism of Jesus and that's a moment when God the father speaks and we see who Jesus is for real now I want you to think back in time. I know you love uh, doing that. I can see you all kind of thinking back in time now. And uh, you may remember when um, we had this idea, well, it wasn't ours, it was kind of bishops and others had this idea of kind of doing this resource church here at Top Church Dudley and uh, we all started to gather together and kind of work out what does it mean to be church, we look at our vision, our values and we get a lot of food, a lot of samosas and they were great times and then we had these ideas, then we had all the pews safely removed and lots of building work done and we met in another freezing cold building across the road and then we came back to another freezing cold building and we love a freezing cold building anyway the point was at some point we were supposed to have a launch and we were going to get you know the good and the great come to this launch now that never happened all sorts of reasons mainly couldn't fit in anybody's diary we were, we were that important but anyway it, that, that's why it didn't quite happen and then the pandemic happened and it all just all just you're kind of like well how when are we going to launch this thing now I want us to think a little bit about how would you launch a ministry we never quite managed to kind of have that official launch. And, and sometimes I have to admit, I've looked at other resource churches and they have great big launches. They have balloons and everything and posh parties and party bangers and all these great things going on their Instagram looking particularly, you know, smart like Chris did this morning in our work. You know, they have all that kind of stuff going on. Uh, we never got that. But do you know what? When I was reading this uh, passage today, I thought, well, it's a little bit arrogant, but I thought, nor did Jesus, really. This is how he launched. If, if you read the passage, it says all these people were coming up from Jerusalem. That's the good and the great. That's people from the south. You know, the good and the great. They're all on their way up to Jerusalem. And then it says this, Jesus from Nazareth came. He was the only one that we know up from up north, Rach, who came along. Jesus from Nazareth. And he started and launched his ministry in the wilderness, not in the city, not in the temple, not in the kind of the, the places where he's going to get noticed, not with a great big party and a kind of great celebration and balloons and, and samosas. He, he should have had samosas. He launched it actually in the wilderness. That's where Jesus began his ministry. He launched it in the middle of a wilderness. And that's where Epiphany begins. 
And in a way, you can probably begin to see the link with where we're at a little bit as a nation and where we're at perhaps as a church and where we feel we are as individuals. We feel like we're in a bit of a wilderness situation at the moment, actually, where things aren't quite happening, where it is a bit bleak, it is a bit desert-like. And I, I imagine for all of us, we're feeling that pressure as we're in this third lockdown, which looks like it's going to go on for longer and get more strict as well. We're in this kind of wilderness place where Jesus began his ministry, that's where we find ourselves. And so my heart is going out to you, those who have suddenly found that you are homeschooling again, good luck, we are praying uh, for, for you, really, we, we are. And uh, for those who are key workers in our church, the immense stress that you're under, for the head teachers, for the teachers, for the doctors, for the nurses, for the cleaners, for the social uh, people who work in social care, our hearts are going out for you and you'll be experiencing a sense of wilderness, as it were. People who've got leadership responsibilities in your workplace, in your home life, you'll be trying to work out how do you lead in the wilderness. For those actually who, quite frankly, are just on your own, actually lockdown is, is just nothing but loneliness and it's just you in the house on your own with the occasional walk with somebody or the occasional Zoom. Our prayers and our hearts are going out for you because that's your wilderness at this time. So we're in this wilderness place, but isn't it interesting? It's in the wilderness where Jesus launches ministry, not in the big city, not in all the kind of great big parties, but it's in the wilderness where it says these words, heaven was opened. It doesn't say heaven was opened in Jerusalem. It doesn't say heaven was opened in the big party. It doesn't say heaven was opened in the great Instagram accounts. It says heaven was opened in the wilderness where you lack things, where things are looking bleak, where things are looking difficult, when you're trying to go back to you've got nothing else other than you and God and internet connection. That is the wilderness. That's what Jesus was in. And it's in that place where heaven begins to open. So the wilderness at first looks harsh, looks bleak. But actually, it can be a place that becomes what the Celtic people call the thin place, the place where heaven and earth meet. And that is our simple prayer for Epiphany. This is our prayer for all of us, actually, for our nation. In our wilderness time, that it might become a place where heaven and earth meet, where we might see more of heaven, where we might have that thin place, where we can experience something of God's love for us, despite our circumstances. But what happens in the wilderness when heaven is open? Jesus receives this amazing affirmation from God the Father. He says, you are my son, with you I am well pleased. Now to cut a long theological story short, what God the Father says to Jesus, we can directly apply to us. If you don't believe me, ask N.T. Wright. If you don't believe him, well, ask Anna Hudson, who's best friends with him. And so it's in that moment when God the Father says, you are my son, with you I am well pleased. It was in the wilderness that Jesus experienced this incredible deep sense of affirmation. Uh, I don't know about you, I um, rarely got actually any nice things said to me by my teachers. One was good fun, one teacher I remember was good fun, but the others uh, would get very frustrated with me because I was dyslexic, they didn't know I was, they thought I was clever and lazy and all those daft things that people think that... In, in the end, doesn't actually help you at all. But anyway, um, but I didn't get much affirmation. But only the affirmation I got was when I did something well. Okay, and then you get a uh, good affirmation, don't you? Or if you're in your workplace, if you hit your targets, you get affirmed by your boss. If you don't, your boss ain't happy. We live in a kind of culture where you know, if you say certain things on Twitter, you get retweeted. You say other things, and you'll get trolled. We live in this world where actually we don't come, we don't 
easily affirm people. They have to jump through certain hoops to get affirmed. Kind of almost like a works gospel in a way. If they do and say the right things, then you get affirmed. But the whole gospel of Jesus is a complete reversal. In that wilderness place, Jesus receives this wonderful affirmation before he had done anything in his ministry. God said, you are my son. With you, I am well pleased. You know, the first words of God to us aren't, you are a rebellious sinner. With you, I am well angry with. Most of church history, that's what the church has kind of said that God has said. You are a rebellious people. With you, I am most wrathful and angry. But actually, the gospel is a complete reverse of that. The first words of God to us is, you are my children. With you, I am well pleased. Before you have done a thing. And maybe in our wilderness moment, wherever we are today, maybe we need God to come and cut through to our hearts in the most beautiful way and remind us Actually, when we're lonely, when we're struggling to work out how do we uh, teach our kids at home, when we're struggling to work out what the right decisions are for those in leadership responsibilities, when those who are key workers have more pressure and you see the system creaking around you, my hope and prayer is somehow in that wilderness moment that you might hear those words, that God affirms you and all those you work with, not on the basis of what they've achieved and what they can do, how helpful they are, how productive they are, whether they're rich or poor, whether they fit in or not, but because God values them. And when we start to create a world from the bottom up, when we start to create the world based on that, things in the wilderness start to look different and we start to have glimpses of heaven. So epiphany, that's the church's gift to the world, to us, to all those of us joining us at home, that actually... In that wilderness, God can do wonderful things and heaven appears in those places. And the things that God says are wonderful, affirming. That self-critic that, always, that you have, that always kind of just destroys yourself, that criticizes yourself, that already says you've done 101 things wrong before you've watched this. That self-critic, God just wants to quieten, quieten and quieten. So you can hear these wonderful words. You are my son. You are my daughter. With you, I am well pleased. Join with me as I pray, and then we're going to have a bit more time with our intercessions. Loving God, we want to thank you that even when we're in a wilderness place, that sometimes is a moment where you can do wonderful things. And I pray for each and every one of us that we might, in our wilderness as a nation, and in Dudley and wherever we're watching this, have a moment where heaven comes close to us and we hear those words of hope that you are my son, you are my daughter, with you I am well pleased. Create a bit of heaven in this wilderness time, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.